Vox Bus. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Falling in Love. Today, I have a conversation with the returning guest, Kathy Courtney. Kathy and I had a previous episode on May 14th, Helping Men Connect with Women. So let me tell you a little bit more about Kathy. You can learn more about her on the show notes and also her website, kathycourtney.com. Well, Kathy is a dating consultant for men as well as a leader and facilitator in the art of circling. She has a range of experience with body work and dance and body-mind centering, marketing and parenting. And also she creates a space for others to feel what's real for them and to stay in their authenticity. And I can definitely attest for that being in Kathy's presence. It's such a pleasure. I really enjoy our conversations and the present connections that we have. And before I tell you a little bit more of the details of this podcast, I want to thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate a lot of the feedback that I'm getting about the podcast. You can also go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com and join a Facebook group and have conversations on various topics. And if this podcast has helped you in any way, and you feel the inclining to support the podcast financially, you can check out the website, heartsharecounseling.com, support the podcast page, as well as check out the show notes. So in today's episode, we talk about falling in love. Kathy talks about feeling met and feeling that her needs of connection and intimacy are being met in this stage. And I talk about also the little aspects of being on drugs right now, our internal drugs when we are falling in love. Kathy talks about her desire for stepping fully into her work in the world and bringing in more intimacy and authenticity into her work as well as her soul's unfolding. And her experience of falling in love is an essential part of enhancing her teaching. We talk about figuring out the balance of navigating her life with her daughters as well as her new partner, and also how keeping attention of things that create connection, the nurturing and the dopamine effects, the micro moments of the beginning of the relationship and how that needs to be sustained. Kathy talks about the clarity of wanting to be in a monogamous relationship now because of being met. We also talk about paying attention and gathering data in the beginning of a relationship. That when we speak the thing that's true for ourselves to our new partner, then they have an opportunity to show themselves of who they are in response to your truth. So enjoy this topic of falling in love. 
Hey, Kathy. Hey, Prepo. I'm glad you wanted to come back and have another conversation with me, and especially this topic. And I'm so glad that you suggested this topic of falling in love. Mm, it's probably the most desirable topic for me. And our conversation before felt so rich and alive that I feel like I could talk to you all day. So mm. it's a it's a gift for me. Thank you. Yeah. So you're in the midst of the, would you say in the midst of falling? Are you in the midst of love? Are you in the midst of the oddness of it? Um, I'm just curious of when you think about where you are in the meeting of your experience of love, what would you name it? I'm in the midst of love. Hmm. And I'm in awe of it. I don't think I'm in the falling in love. I think for a minute I was wanting to resist it a little bit, but when I actually check in, it's already there. It's not a falling. I don't really know what that means, though. Yeah. What do you think that means, falling in love? I think the phrase of falling in love is when we fall, we're off balance. And I think we, when people say I'm falling in love, there's a losing of one's sense of self in some way into love. So many things that they would normally think about, normally occupy their thoughts and their time is now put a little bit on the wayside to this diving in and falling into the experience of it. All right. Maybe there's a little bit of that going on. <laughs> so are you feeling the chemical dump? Because I think it's <laughs> I think it's important to talk about, everybody knows that, and we've heard it, that that we're on drugs when we're just feeling that love and we're on our own drugs, which is pretty cool. And knowing it, I think is really good. Like knowing some of the reasons why, you know, with falling in love or being in love, there's an aspect of an increase of dopamine that comes up, which is that you want more. You want more of that feeling. Increase of oxytocin, more bonding. Increase of testosterone more sexual feelings and maybe aggressiveness towards that person in a undesirable way. And then there's the neoadrenaline that I mentioned, which is a focus. The dilation of the eyes creates a very myopic focus. So are you, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at you right now and I want, are, are you on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'm on drugs. Like check, 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 and check. Mm. <laughs> yes, I mean, if you call like having a really hard time saying goodbye mm -hmm. and ending and completing a session of being together and a huge sexual drive and feeling like I can look into his eyes for the rest of my life. <laughs> If you, if that all fits, fits, fits that description, then mm -hmm. yes, right. I do feel like there is a sense of being on drugs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know what keeps coming to mind about that, though, is I've spent so much of my adult life either trying to find that connection where I feel fully met or being in a connection and it not really meeting my needs or like meeting my presupposition of how I think it could be and trying to make it fit mm. or trying to make it work. I think about all the energy I've expended struggling. 
And so right now in the thick of the drug spell, I think, wow, like, what could it be like? What could my life be like if I didn't have to be expending energy struggling? Hmm. And that actually I had like a secure attached relationship where love was, I was being met in, in this realm of open heartedness and connection and authenticity and that I could actually just really put my attention to my work in the world, to my children, to my purpose, to other things. Like, what could that bring? Mm. So that's what I actually feel very connected to, or just that inquiry of like, what what is possible here? So there's another part of yourself that you're feeling that is being potentialized, and what will that bring to your future? Yeah. Mm. And I notice there's a sometimes a conflict within myself. You know, I'm I'm focused on this is my year of fully stepping into my work in the world, which is super clear to me of what I want to do. You know, I want to bring more intimacy, connection, authenticity, like teach these skills to other people so that essentially they can have more fulfilling relationships and feel more love. I just want to spread, <laughs> spread love in the world. And so there's a part of me that thinks, well, okay, if I get too distracted by love, like, is that going to throw me off track? And then there's another part that says, but hang on a minute. What if you just surrendered to this? And this was actually a part of your unfolding, like your soul's, your soul's journey. And that this is an essential part to actually take you to that next level where you're in service and you're really living your purpose because this is what I'm teaching. You know, this is what right. I want. I want to share. It's like the possibilities that are available to us in connection and intimacy. So you get to really experiment right now. Like yeah. be in the lab of love and the teachings that you know, you get to have an experiential experience of it now that maybe brings a different texture also to your teaching. Yeah. Hmm. And I think it's the part that wants to surrender to the experience and trust that it's possibly part of a bigger plan of my soul's unfolding. That part's winning over. What's coming up for you around trusting into the experience? And at the same time, I'm imagining there's a another awareness to say, okay, but I want to make sure that there's clarity in this area, we talked about maybe around agreements or other aspects of boundaries, because there's an aspect of surrendering, but to also surrender into what we know that's healthy for us, not just surrendering into something that's so unknown that we lose boundaries, that we lose a sense of asking for what we want, knowing what we want and speak up to that. I love that question. It's funny, I feel like, you know, when I look back at my previous relationships and the work I'm doing in circling, we talked about circling the last time we were together, I'm teaching authentic relating to people. I feel like I've come to a point where I actually don't, there, there's no part of me anymore that feels like I'm gonna be bulldozed or I'm gonna walk on eggshells or I'm gonna withhold a part of myself to be loved. I'm at a point where I, I feel confident and 
more whole, I suppose. So even in this new connection, newish connection, I don't feel myself retracting or hiding or withholding. I feel fully expressed and already have, from a very early point, have been saying things like, hey, this is super important to me looking forward how do you feel about this? Like, what's your truth around this? So you're not afraid to bring that in in case he will give a no sign to say that that's too much, that's a too intense. Right. Good. And that has been my previous experiences with mm -hmm. previous partners. And there's always been a sense for me that I'm too intense or like I want too much or... I think too much or I feel too much. And I always, I seem to have in the past attracted these partners that they would seem really available and then they would do the withhold or they would do, they were more avoidant in attachment terms. Mm -hmm. And so then I would find myself being more, you know, I'm a little bit more prone to anxious attachment. I'd find myself adjusting things just to find the connection again. But in this situation, my new partner is so available and so adoring that I get this feeling like there's nothing I could do that would have him pull away. And it's, it's, I feel a huge invitation to just fully be myself. And that's part of what has me feeling trust to lean in, to show myself, to surrender. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is there's not this perception of how you are in connection is too much, but instead how you are in connection is actually met and is uh, received and there's an invitation to it. Absolutely. Mm. And I think, you know, one thing that I teach folks is in relating is the importance of sovereignty and of I am enough unto myself and I don't know, like, I, I guess at this point in my life, I don't really have a willingness to, to not show up fully anymore. Like, it's not worth it to me. I've, I've done that many, many times. So it's a combination of me having enough, I guess, wholeness or confidence and sovereignty in myself, as well as being met by somebody fully who is the same. And those two things are a good combination. We talked about this a little bit a few minutes ago when we were preparing to, to focus on this. And I, I asked a question about vetting, but I didn't really get into it. I tell people in my practice that when they are falling in love, when they're just in love, vetting is a good thing. Meaning that even though when we're on drugs, that also means that we're not seeing as clearly in some ways. So the vetting process of having people that we really trust, that's close to us, that knows us, that also really is looking out for us, it's really good to check in with them to say, not just, hey, how is this person, but how am I? Do you see me really showing up? Do you see me in my power? How am I relating to this new person in my life? Is this healthy that you see? We have to be open to take that, but I'm just curious, have you experienced any of that desire to be vetted by people close to you? 
Yes. Hmm. In fact, I'm a quite a fan of Stan Tacken, who wrote the book, Your Brain on Love. That's right. And he talks about vetting your relationship, not only asking your friends about how they feel you showing up or they how they see your prospective partner, but also how they experience the two of you together. So yes, I'm so open to that. And I have some really trusted, trusted people in my life that I... I know know me so well and have unconditional love for me. And one of them is my girlfriend who she's my truth teller girlfriend, you know, like sometimes her truth can feel kind of harsh, but I always know it comes with love. And I took her in the very early stages to go and meet him. And you know, in the past, I've like the, the last relationship I was in, she's like, ah, I don't really see it. Like, I, I don't really get it. Anyway, she met him. And within the first 15 seconds, we met him. We said hello. He was busy with something. We walked away to go sit at a table. And she said, Kathy, if you resist this for even a second, you're a fucking idiot. Mm. <laughs> It's <laughs> a good friend. Yes, because she saw how he looked at me, how we looked at each other. And, you know, I've been sharing a lot of my experience with her. And then she's met him a couple of times and feels really, really um, good about us. And then I've met a lot of his friends. So that's another part of mm. vetting, I think, is to to see how your partner is with their friends and their community. Absolutely, right. And one of the things that's really exciting to me is that he has a really great group of male friends. They're French. So, you know, they kiss each other every time they say hello and they're very open with each other and very loving and affectionate. And mm. they've been friends, some of them for over 20 years. And I can tell that there's a level of, you know, authentic, they're authentic with each other. And they're all approving of us and are happy for him. So I think vetting is really important. I totally agree. What about your own family, your girls? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. Has that happened yet? Of, yeah, it has. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the different connections I've had in the past, I have different feelings about when to introduce yep. them and when not to. And I'm sensitive about that. I have two daughters. We had somebody, my ex-partner lived with us for four years. And looking back, I have some, a little bit of regret about how I handled that process. And I think they both had a negative experience from it. And honestly, we all ended up living, walking on eggshells with him because he was pretty reactive. And, you know, there was a lot of being careful of what we said and that kind of thing. So after he moved out, it's been two years and we have such an easy household. Like it's just my girls and I and our two female dogs and we have a really good thing. So they've both met him because I knew right away that there was, this felt like a long-term thing. You know, we never really know that, but this felt very different than anything else I've experienced. And... <laughs> My oldest daughter met him first and she's super perceptive and she, she, he made food for her. Mm, smart <laughs> like, guy. Oh, you are so smart. smart. And she's like, mom, 
if he makes crepes like that, <laughs> you can marry him any day. Um, but even so, like, you know, just figuring out the balance of, you know, he and I have this urge to be together all the time and like how to pace that in terms of the girls, like how much is too much? When do we need to pull back? So I'm navigating all of that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that, Prepo? Well, I think the conscious navigation is so important. The the part where your kid's awareness and well-being is taken into consideration, just meaning that you're aware and you're checking in also their barometer around their comfortableness, their encouragement, but also you know, not denying, I'm a, I'm a proponent of not denying people of having experiences that are and have the potential for closeness and intimacy and honesty and authenticity. So if this person is available for that, more love spread around in your family with that. Yeah. Can be very, very positive. Yeah. And I think, you know, the girls have not had an experience of me being met with such kindness all the time. In the past, I seem to have manifested multiple situations where, like I said, there was an avoidant partner. And then ultimately I felt like I created this punishment thing, like where my partners would love my femininity and love my expressiveness until they didn't. And then there's been a little bit of punishment or like mm. something like that. And so I feel like my girls have witnessed that. And so what I feel excited about is for them to experience true mutuality and what it could be like for mom to really have a love experience. Yeah. And then therefore them seeing it up close and it being modeled for them. Cause I think that that's so important. Yeah. I, I said this on one of my podcasts. I really truly believe that one of the greatest gifts that I can give my child, my son, is for him to see a wonderful relationship of how I treat his mother. Yeah. So he also knows how to treat a woman in kindness and care and generosity. Yeah. And so I think that that's so important that it's, it's modeled very closely. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Like actually, as you're saying that, I've been thinking about how, I first of all, I was really inspired by your story about you and your wife and how you came together and the love that you've really fostered and cared for all these years and how your son's been impacted. And you shared with me your model of appreciating each other mm. and how you played for me your son's birthday greeting to your wife when mm. she turned uh, 60, 60 mm -hmm. and how touching that was. And, uh, when we sat together last time and when we talked about it the first time I met you, it opened up a, or like touched on a longing in me. Like that's what I've been imagining and that's what feels right to me and what I've wanted, but I haven't created in the past. Mm. And I feel that right away. Like there's countless appreciations and I just don't see that going away. Like I just have a sense that this is how it is with, with him. And it excites me to expose my kids to that. Mm -hmm. I try and do it, but I mean, I do do it with them a lot, but I just feel like more of that is, is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and especially for them to witness it that's coming from you and from him to you, as opposed to some kids that might have a challenge of when it's coming to them, how to be, how to receive it. But when they see it, it enables them to have a certain distance to really actually take it in differently. So I think the witnessing part of them seeing it between you and your new partner is really beneficial. Yeah. They're hopefully going to want to jump in it, you know. I hope and so. the the hopefully the beauty of them seeing you being treated well, the appreciation that they will have to this person for treating their mother well. I think that that is where the newness of a connection of family can blossom. Yeah. Is when that comes in. That reminds me, I just got back from a trip on Tuesday from Chicago and he came to meet me at the airport and <laughs> he had a, a rose with him, you know, and met me and was just so happy to greet me. And then we get to the car and there was actually like a dozen roses there for me waiting. And anyway, there was more to that, but it was just such a beautiful way to come home. And I shared with my oldest daughter, look, he, he met me with roses and look at these roses. And she said, you know, why, why is it so hard for guys? Like, it's actually so simple. It's simple. She's like, those roses probably cost, what, $10? She said, it's so easy, but why is it so hard for so many guys? Hmm. And I thought, wow, coming from a 15-year-old. Why do you think it is hard for most guys? That's a great question. I think that there's a resistance or a fear to giving over too much of themselves and that there's a fear that they'll be like a doormat or like run over or not seen. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's an aspect of that vulnerability coming out. I'm going to show you this love that is going to be taken for granted. It's not going to be met. It's not going to be taken in preciousness. And that's when men usually shut down, but when it's really received, we want to give more. A little example, from my wife's 60th, I, I wrote down and read her 60 appreciations. Yes, I crammed the last four the night before, <laughs> I, I will say that, but it was beautiful throughout the day I would read that. And she, of course, wanted me to make sure I get that to her in whatever form, you know, that I write it down or record it so she has it. And I hadn't done that. And now that she's in Denmark, what I did was she mentioned that she she's missing the side of herself that is appreciated and that her light shines here and in where we live. Doesn't shine so much around her family. So I sent her, I took a picture of one of the pages that had five appreciations and I sent it to her so she had that and then i sent it to her the next day and then i waited another day and i sent it again and she's got probably about four more pages to come i'll time it when i think it's right but when she receives it and the feedback that i get how much she appreciates that it's already been given to her and now i'm giving it to her again at the right time makes me want to do that more and how important and she she knows how it came from me in a deep way and so the receiving of it makes me want to give it to her more 
in that way? Uh, this is such a important and simple yet missed right. wisdom. After 24 years, you don't have to, we don't have to stop. You know, that's the realization. You know, when I realized, especially around appreciation, but, you know, some studies I did, I was like, okay, how do I keep my dopamine up? How do I keep that? How do I keep my neoadrenaline up in my relationship? Because, of course, there's a phase where it fades after, they say, a period of, you know, 12 to 18 months, the chemicals really fade. They can, however, we now can purposely crank that by intentionally. So holding hands is so important that creates that oxytocin bond. Touching in a non-sexual way creates that oxytocin bond. The exchange of appreciation creates some of the dopamine hit because I'm get, we're getting validated and knowledge we want more of that. So there's ways that we can sustain that aspect of just falling in love. It can be maybe not as intense every day because of how we start creating our lives and we get a little more comfortable, but it could be accessed with intention. And that I think people really realize of saying, oh, it's gonna really fade, it's gonna be really different. It's gonna be different, but it does not have to lose its attention for the effectiveness and the behavior and the, uh, the gratitude of what we're experiencing by paying attention to it. And most people don't pay attention to it. They don't realize what it does need to take focused attention. Yeah, focused attention. Right. It's so important. I, I get the, I haven't had this experience, but what I can imagine is if you give, if you feed the relationship that way and you continue to give that focused attention and keep the dopamine and keep the oxytocin and the bonding and all of that kind of stuff, I wanted to add eye gazing, like eye yes. gazing in, yes. is also super potent that way. Mm -hmm. It really continues to, I imagine, support the sense of we, and like, it's almost like, you know, when there's like a, a leak in the boat or something, or like a, when there's a leak in the relationship somehow and energy is diffusing, it can happen so subtly, but over time, it really accumulates. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, like, oh, you're having an emotional affair with somebody. Right. Or, you know, your attention, you now are seeing your partner in with eyes that are a little bit jaded. Right. Or, yeah, the critical lens on. Yeah, the constantly. way your needs have not been met or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. it's so subtle at first, but it accumulates pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have had that experience. You know, I've been married before and I've been in a long-term relationship as well. And I think I'm getting the importance of keeping that all alive. And like you said, maybe not to the, to the intensity as in the beginning, but that that same kind of bonding behavior, mm -hmm. whatever it takes, the touching, the eye gazing, right. the appreciations, mm -hmm that that's like a part of the practice. It's like a yoga practice. You know, you have to keep exactly. it, keep it consistently mm -hmm. and make that a priority. Right. I did a podcast on micro moments and micro moments really show up in the beginning of a relationship. We really capture those moments, but we let that wane as time goes on. And that's why it's so important when I talk with couples, I say, you don't have to focus on the weekend getaways to have connection. You can show up 
right when some one of you is at the kitchen sink doing the dishes, all you gotta do is pause, put the hand on the person's nap of their neck, back of their back, and a beautiful gesture of a kiss on the on the head and for it. Those little moments of how we show up are so vital because we do that so well in the beginning. And so micro moments, capturing micro moments are so important to sustain all of that. I love that. Mm -hmm. There's also some exercises that I often teach in my authentic relating and circling work that one classic one is where you put two people together and they may know each other, but they may not. And you you start by one of the people saying, being with you right now, I notice. And you share what's true for you in mm. that moment, like what's, what's alive. And then the other person says, well, hearing that, I notice. And so what you're doing is you're not talking about something, but you're speaking specifically to the space between you and what's feeling alive. And even if it's like, I feel pulled away, I feel closed off being with you. And then the other person gets to say, well, hearing that, I feel scared. And so then you're revealing yourself in a vulnerable way. Without having to talk about the content of what's going on. Right. And ultimately that opens up, you know, intimacy, connection, and even being able to sit in the the discomfort. I think we talked about that a little bit last mm -hmm. time. Like being able to be present with something that may not feel good, may feel scary, mm -hmm. but slowing down and paying attention to it and speaking to it and really being with what is happening in this present moment. Like my experience is over and over again that it just opens up love. So I think that's another thing in addition to the micro moment moments that you talked about. Those are super important, mm. but actually having practices in place. Practices in place are so important. And some of that practice, like you said, yeah, you know, a metaphor of yoga, but there is the reality of our own practices can't fade. We have to really take care of ourselves, knowing what grounds us, what brings us strength, what brings us presence. We have to keep that going so that we can bring ourself to the relationship. And people let that wane in the beginning of the relationship because they're so enthralled into the pull of the other person and they're afraid to keep up their own self-care for the fear of the other person perhaps going away if we don't pay a lot of attention to mm -hmm. the relationship. So. Mm. In order to do those practices of we, we have to do the practices of I. Oh, that's mm -hmm. essential. Mm -hmm. And then another thing, like we talked about agreements a tiny bit, but one thing I wanted to say about that is my man told me that he, one of his tendencies is to lose himself in relationship. And I was like, oh, bingo, me too. So I said, what are the ways that I may notice, what are some signals or ways that you may lose yourself that I could keep my eye on? Because I don't want you to lose yourself. Like, how can we hold each other accountable? And so we had a really explicit conversation. Like, this is how it may look. I practice Qigong and Tai Chi every morning and I do my breathing exercises and blah, blah, blah. And and I've got these friends and I like to meet with them. And if I start to, you know, if those things go away, that's a good sign that I'm losing myself. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Okay, good. I want to know that. Like, I want my man to continue with his practices. Like, I know that that's so important. And I'm like, okay, what am I? And like, what are the things for me? And 
I shared with him. I think in the beginning, oftentimes we're afraid to speak about this new relationship with some kind of longevity in mind. But I think it's really good in the beginning days to, if you, if you feel that sense of recognition, like, oh, hello, where have you been all my life? You could possibly be my guy. Like, I've never felt this way before. I feel it's good to bring up some things right in the beginning. Absolutely. Like yeah. one, one of the things I said in the early days was, I just want you to know, I'm not going to be inviting you to come live with me. <laughs> and that felt edgy to say. Mm -hmm. My last long-term relationship, he moved in within like two months. Wow. Yeah. You're learning. <laughs> That's good. You're learning. <laughs> but, you know, one part of that too is allow the spark to have a gap. That's what it needs. It needs some aspect of the gap. And the gap also is allowing the other person to also have their own their own life, their own taking care of themselves, so that when you're coming together, there is that that spark. So you, when you say that, do you mean like separating and doing our own thing and then coming back together, or is there something more to that? Yeah, I think there's there's that, and also getting comfortable with some of the pull to merge, but to just stay, stay, right? The, the pull to be get lost. Right. And that's usually the gap when people first meet wants to close so fast. Yeah. And there is a spark around, so I don't want to say the mystery or, but when somebody else is doing, keeping doing their own thing, there's an intrigue. Yeah. And that's so important to be, to be settled in allowing each other to do their own thing, but for sure coming together with no game playing and speaking what you're feeling and expressing it, mm -hmm. but not giving up an aspect of yourself just because of this pull to merge or what society says that we should be doing. Yeah. Immediately yeah. cohabitate. Yeah, totally. I mean, he came back after that conversation and said, you know, I've been thinking, I really wouldn't want to do that. You've lived here with somebody else before. I mm. would really rather build a new space for us. Mm. Like I would rather take a couple of years to build our own house and our own land and a new space. I was like, oh, that sounds good. So you, you were nervous to say that at first to him or apprehensive about saying that? Or not? Uh, actually not at all. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So you knew that I'm going to take this risk and see where it goes and I have to say that. That yep. I, that's not what I want. I don't want to cohabitate. Yep. I don't want you moving in. Yeah. I mean, part of that is really a commitment to my daughters. Mm -hmm. I almost have to tell on myself in a way, like, I've done this before. I'm not doing it again. I just really need to make this clear. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the beauty of really learning from your experiences. Yeah. Not to do something over that doesn't work for you. Yeah. What about creativity? We talked about that in the phase of meeting and that falling in love aspect that there's more creative energy. Is that showing up right now in your life? Yeah, I can give you a really specific example. Last night I led a, a circling evening and I had a bunch of new people that had never been introduced to this practice before. And I have a general guideline of how I run an evening. I never really prepare. I have a general map in my mind. And I really trust when I show up in that space that things will unfold as they need to and all that kind of stuff. 
But last night, there was a way that like I was completely tapped into something even more intuitive or creative. And I just went with it. Like I felt so led by something other than myself. Like I, I was super tapped in. And we ended up doing all this work around boundaries and vulnerability. And I mean, stuff I, I usually don't bring forward in these circling evenings. And all of these new people that came, they were so courageous. They brought themselves fully. They all were in awe. They had deep, deep experiences. And yeah, I, I really didn't feel like it was me. I felt like I was just tapping into something that was calling me. Mm. It felt creative and intuitive. And then at the end, I just had one of those humbling, like holy shit experiences of, I know part of me is, is involved in this because I'm holding the space, I'm paying attention, I'm leading, but then most of this is not at all about me. It's just creating space for something to come through. And I felt so comfortable in that space last mm. night. So I've got to think that being in this love experience is opening me up to like a new level of creativity. Mm. And I'm That's ex exciting. Yeah, I'm excited about that. That happened for me, you know, when I met my wife, we were at Esalen and I always kind of gave Esalen the credit for my creativity. It was the most creative year I ever had in my whole life. But when I really reflect back, it was the combination of the love. The love allowed me to take a lot of that energy and experimentation, especially because I was approved of and met in my risks. My wife always encouraged my risks of creativity. She had really cool baggy, MC Hammer type pants with you know sarong, <laughs> and I would say, "Hey, can I, can I, can I try that on? Try it on." I'd say, "That's mine, okay? Can I, can I make it mine?" <laughs> and she would totally encourage aspects of dress, but also, she's an artist, so she really encouraged when I would do and expand with art that I never did in my life. More ideas that I had, ways I was thinking, it was always met with encouragement compassion and acceptance. And that came from, from the aspect of the love also that, that I knew that this is a, a relationship that I can really become more of who I am. And mm -hmm. that to me was the sustaining of the future. When I started thinking about a future with her was I was becoming more of who I truly loved, who I was becoming in her presence. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Gosh, that is so beautiful. I know I remember you telling me the story about the the hat yeah. that she found you. Yeah, magic of that, yeah. And like a guy from Detroit. You know, I mean, obviously you had enough openness to come to Esalen. Yeah. But that you were look. it sounds like maybe you were looking for, you were open, but you, you needed that acceptance and that encouragement and her creativity to really invite yours forward. Right, yeah. And that's beautiful. Like, mm -hmm. what more could you ask for? And at the same time, the boundary at times of not giving up certain things that maybe she thought I should give up or that I would transform or some some judgments 
on some of the things that I went, wait, 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 no, wait, I want to keep that. That's something that that's important to me. Or this fluorescent pink jacket, to you it's a cold color. To me it was the first colorful jacket I'm wearing. I'm staying with it. So I had to put up some boundaries also around not just get lost in her taking me along in a creative mm. path. And that was really important. Yeah, know? I love hearing that because actually my experience is there is a little bit of fear when somebody is that adoring of me and that flexible and open to me. Mm. For me, in order to keep feeling attracted and leaning in, I have to feel an edge. I have to feel his boundary. I have right. to feel his no. I have to feel like, you know, you respect yourself enough to say no to me. It's essential. Mm -hmm. And that, that for me creates trust, right. a polarity that like, I'm still really attracted to you and want to surrender to you mm -hmm. and uh, respect. Yeah. And so already I've noticed that a few times where you know, he's got a very clear boundary around being fully monogamous. Like I give myself fully to you and I'm not interested in, in anything else. You know, I just, I'm a purely monogamous guy. Like he was very clear about that right up front. That's good clarity to get up front in a relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. And that hasn't always been a hundred percent clear to me. Although when I really feel into it, the times when that has felt clear is when I feel I have someone's attention fully. The times when it hasn't felt clear is when I'm actually not being met. Yeah, because I think there's a difference of the feeling of possessiveness in that desire for monogamy as opposed to the expansion of being met and see the potential of a focus, what can occur. Mm. in a monogamous relationship with that being met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's one question that I definitely want to ask okay. that I think that some of my listeners are wanting me to ask this because they know us through our podcast. So does this change the dating consultant lady? What what does that do to, <laughs> to your biz? <laughs> does it enhance it? Does it challenge? Is he okay with it? He's okay with it. Um, I mean, I think he he's very supportive of it, but it's funny, you know, I have to be honest when we talked the last time, there was something that happened for me in our conversation where I felt so incredibly inspired and purposeful. And I realized, in fact, you even said to me, it sounds like you're doing much deeper work than just the like how to's and the mm -hmm. how to get your lady and you know, how to approach them and blah, blah, blah. And I talked about like bridging that gap and doing the deeper work. But I realize that it's really the deeper work of intimacy that's the thing that moves me the most. So that's already adjusting a little bit. Like I still am loving working with men and want to keep working with them. But I also want to work with people that are ready and open and like have been longing for more depth in their connections in their relation relationships and teach them the tools to relate from a sovereign authentic place and in a way that they can share what's true and then open to what comes next and like sit in the discomfort a little bit and mm. find more intimacy emotional intimacy mm -hmm. 
So no, it doesn't totally change that, but it has expanded. Yeah. I feel like I'm expanding to a more of a, like a deeper longing to teach folks the skills of intimacy. And it's beautiful that you're experiencing it on a personal level so that you can utilize your own experience into presenting it and knowing when it's a yes, knowing when it's a connection that's very deep and not something that's conceived, more of your own experience bringing into your work. Yeah. That, that That's the enhancement that I think is wonderful when we're in a relationship that our work actually get enhanced by our relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So any last words for those people that are just starting their their love exploration, mm. falling in love? Mm. Well, my encouragement would be anything that can help bring more self-awareness. Like, what am I experiencing? What What are my boundaries? Like, what's coming up for me? how to speak that in a way that can be received sharing appreciations Mm. for like, even in the beginning of, Oh, when you did that, I noticed I felt so seen or I felt so safe because even right in the beginning where I hate to use the word training each other, but just like you said, mm-hmm. like if, when you get that encouragement from your wife about sending the appreciations, it just has you wanting to do it more. It's just, right. it's just a natural human tendency. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, we want to, I think, I think this is true in both genders, but I think for men, especially, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong here, Prepo, but there's so much joy that comes from just pleasing your woman and knowing that you're enough and knowing that you've got it right, right? So just giving that those like appreciations along the way. Mm-hmm. And then maintaining practices, like having some anchors in your life that you maintain, like time with my girlfriends, you know, time with your friends, time with your family, doing the vetting, writing, Writing is very good. Like journaling at this time is really, really a good process. And reading your journals, because a good friend of mine on a podcast said that he wrote all along, but he didn't read his journals. After the relationship ended, he went back and looked at his journals and there was these red flags (laughs) in his journaling. (laughs) And he didn't, didn't adhere to that. So for me also, one aspect is make sure that we're taking risks also in the beginning, risks of authenticity, risk of truth, because we we have to gather data and use it as an exploration yeah. as opposed to being safe. Totally. You know, So the risk taking of really putting ourselves out, speaking, mm-hmm. asking for what we want. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. And speak the thing that's true and then and then you get to see this person that you're getting to know reveal themselves. Mm. And guess what? The way people show themselves in the beginning, they're showing you who they Mm. are. So pay attention. Right. Whatever you can do to pay attention. It's not going to change. Like this is the way that this person is showing up is telling you and revealing who they are. Mm. And that the other piece is 
even though I feel in love and I like, there's a way that I want to believe that, wow, this is my man and I found my soulmate and blah, blah, blah. That could all be true. But I also know through experience that it's only over time and going through different experiences and seeing how we show up for those experiences that will reveal yeah, adversity. Can we, can we make it work? Exactly. Like, how do we show up for tough conversations? How do we show up when there's pain and suffering? Mm-hmm. And how do we show up for joy? Like yeah. Brene Brown talks about how the most vulnerable emotion is actually joy. Right. Yep. Because mm-hmm. we always find our ways to curtail our joy. Because we're afraid it's going to go away. Right. So, fast. so how do we show up for joy? Mm-hmm. How do we... And I think only time... Only time can Mm. really reveal that kind of truth. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's an impulse to merge and to like, I've even felt myself, I'm embarrassed to say this, but like, oh my God, I can imagine marrying this man. And literally it's not even been a month. Have you said that to him? Oh, in like the first week he said to me, like, I didn't Because now he knows. He's going to listen to this podcast. Now he's going to know. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to give him the link. (laughs) No, he knows. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So just, you know, like, Mm -hmm. even though there's that impulse. Sure. I think time. Well, I'm so happy for you. I really am. And I'm really excited to be on the, the periphery of your experience and to be abreast by your journey. And I really... Wish you all the the wonderful presence of of experiencing it and experiencing the joy. Thank you, Prepo. You're welcome. Yeah. And you, like hearing your story was timely mm. and inspiring. And I knew, like when you shared your experience and your story with your wife and even your son, it really resonated with me as like, oh yeah, this is what I, this is what I've imagined for myself. And Mm -hmm. how has this escaped me? And like, you know, there was a part of me that thought, well, can I really have that? And I don't know if I can, like, I can't say that I can, but like just even this experience that I'm having right now, I'm trying to soak it in as much as possible as this. I mean, this is my reality right right now. That's right. And I'm trying to, just take in as much of it as possible mm. without having to know what the future brings. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for this intimate conversation. Let me in your world and where you're at. <laughs> amore. That's amore. Amore. <laughs> Relationships. Let's talk about it. Is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today, faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus. Oxbus.